I thought there was something going to happen up here, and it, nothing happened. I was waiting for something to happen, and nothing happened. So I guess I am, I'm, I'm the thing that's happening. So I'm happening today. God bless you. So we're going to, uh, we're, we're going to make a couple of uh, disclaimers. Yeah, see, I just got a message that said there was a sermon bumper, but there was no sermon bumper. I kept waiting, but there wasn't one. So uh, I'm going to make a couple disclaimers this morning. First of all, if you're one of these people that uh, like to take notes and write down uh, scriptures, you're about to, or you're one of these that does notes on your phone, uh, you're about to burn some calories. Uh, maybe you'll be uh, ready for an international uh, thumb war match uh, if you're one of these that types with your thumbs because there's about uh, 97 scriptures. I don't know that I'm going to get to all of them, uh, but this is one of those sermons that I just kept building on scripture and not so much sermon as it is just word. Uh, we're going to take kind of a, a, a little bit of a new turn this morning. Uh, I apologize in advance for speaking so much of his word in his house. Uh, but we're going we're gonna to build this on the word of God. But it's also going to be one of those messages that's not quite palatable. Uh, it's it's going to be rough around here this morning. I, I'm not a weather forecaster, but I'm anticipating choppy waters. Uh, because of what we're going to be dealing with. And because of that, I was in my office this morning, and I was studying my notes, and it, it, came, it came to me that I probably should have you pray for yourself, and, and, and particularly for one thing, and it didn't make sense to me when it first uh, impressed me to, to have you pray for this. Um, it didn't really make sense why until I started sitting with it for a little while, Sometimes God don't make sense to me right off. Maybe you understand what he does right away. Uh, but sometimes I have to sit with things for a little while before they, they make sense to me. And, and I felt impressed to have you pray for yourself for pride uh, before I preach. And I didn't realize why uh, pride was so important. And, and then I began to think about what my sermon is about. Because there's a great many people under the sound of my voice that will hear the sermon that I'm about to preach and assume that it's for a whole lot of other people that ain't you. Because you feel sanctified and justified and you feel okay with God and, and because I'm talking a great amount about salvation, you're going to assume that you're already where you need to be. But this is much deeper than just saying yes to Jesus. It's what you have done with that yes since you first said yes. Where is your Life And so we're going to pray for ourselves before I ever get started with the sermon. We're going to pray for ourselves for God to not, make a, not allow us to be so prideful that we miss the message this morning. Because we're, we're going to begin this morning. I'm still continuing. I know, I know you see this word up here and some of you have probably saw the uh, bumper online um, that we're, we're, we're going to be dealing with flesh wounds. But this is a continuation of what I've already been preaching. I found out this past week it's going to go up through Easter. So I have until now, until the Sunday before Easter, to put a bow on this entire thing. And, and beginning this morning, we're going to start dealing with some very deeply spiritual concepts that you need to move out of or into that has been hindering things in your life. And so I'm not, I'm not telling you that, that, that I've got some magic formula for you, but I'm telling you that, that, that this word that, 
that I'm going to be teaching, and I'm going to be doing much more teaching than preaching, is, is going to be elevating you into a mindset if you apply it and a spiritual place that you've never been before. And, and, and I know that because that's what God has told me. So let's pray this morning. Would you put your hands somewhere around your heart? Would you, would you just begin to pray, God, I, I don't want to be prideful. I, I don't want to miss this word this morning. I don't want to miss what you're saying. I don't want to miss anything that you have for me. Help me to get out of my way. Allow your spirit to speak to me. And help me to receive from heaven this morning. And if you mean that with all your heart, say amen and amen. I introduced something in November on Super Sunday. And what I introduced was the theme that is going to be prevalent for this year. I believe that God is wanting to do more in your life this year than you are currently believing for. In the next few weeks, we're going to be finding out why you're not believing big enough. I don't have time to preach that today, but it's coming. We're going to be talking about the hindrances that are keeping you from believing as big as you should. There are things that are causing you to be hindered. Now, my sermon this morning is a crazy new variant, okay? Emphasis on the crazy. Uh, but, and that will become, uh, become clear uh, going forward. Uh, but I want to begin by re- rehashing Job 42 and 2. I, I told you that this is going to be our theme scripture for the year. Because we are a church where... We're a church that where anything is possible. Anything is possible. Job 42 and 2 says, I know that you can do all things and that no purpose of yours can be hindered. I told you that the word this year is unhindered. And I believe that some of you are in a point and a season in your life where God is wanting to do the things that you have prayed for but have not believed for. I'm going to say that again. Some of you, God is ready to do things that you have prayed for, but you have not yet believed for. Because praying is easy, believing takes something else. And some of you don't understand why your prayer life has been hindered. And I believe that God wants to bring you into an unhindered state of belief. Can somebody say amen? If you look at that scripture, it says, God, I believe no purpose of yours. No purpose of yours. That tells me that God has something in mind for me. I can't, t- I can't put that on you because I don't know whether you're believing or not. But I'm telling you that when I read that scripture, it says, I know that you can do all things. That no plan, no plan is impossible. God has a plan. And, and, if, and if I'm not living an unhindered life, God's not the one with the problem. If there is something that is hindering my blessing, if there is something that is hindering my miracle, if there's something that is hindering my breakthrough, if there is something that is keeping me from his plan, he ain't got the problem. So I need to discover what's going on between me 
and Him. So this morning, I'm going to start using a phrase that you are going to hear a lot in the next few weeks. That phrase is flesh wounds. Hmm. And it's not what you think. It's, it's, not, it's not what you think because we're done playing victim. We're, we're, we're done. This is grown folk church on Sunday morning when we come in here. We're done coming in and gathering of the saints and blaming mama for the way we're acting. And blaming our ex who divorced us and left us destitute for the way we treat other folks. And no, no, flesh wounds is not something that is inflicted by somebody else. It's something that is inflicted by our little lonesome. And we like to blame other people for what, see that was ghost stories. If you made it through ghost stories, we got to put all of our blame on, on, on the people that affected us back then. But this next several weeks is going to be talking about what you do to you. The flesh wounds that you happen to yourself. And by the way, this that I'm, I, this is going to be intentionally more teaching than it is preaching. So go ahead and buckle down. Uh, I'm not going to really pay a whole lot of attention today, especially to the clock. I'm, I'm going to prepare you. I'm, going to, I'm just going to go ahead and prepare you. I'm going to pay a whole lot of attention to the clock because i got a long way to go and a short time to get there. And I'm going to be teaching instead of preaching, and I'm going to do that on purpose. And the purpose is, this is the instruction you need to become the person that you desire. Okay? So, so this morning, we're going to talk about a crazy new variant. I don't know if you realize it or not, but the last three years has been crazy. And one of the things that became a very common terminology over the last three years is this word variant. Okay, COVID started out with this one, it was a ball with a bunch of sticks on it. And then that ball with a bunch of sticks became a variant of that ball with a bunch of sticks. And it was another ball that had a bunch of sticks and they all looked the same to me. Is they all, when they showed the new variant, it looked surprisingly like the old one. But they tell me it's different, so I have to believe them because I don't have a microscope. So, so when they use the word variant, what do they mean? They mean a form or version of something that differs in some respect from other forms of the same thing or from a standard. Okay, I'm going to read that to you again. A form or a version of something that differs in some respect from other forms of the same thing or from a standard. In other words, it's the same, but it's different. There is a standard. That means everything under that looks like, acts like, behaves like the standard, and then a variant stops and changes. What if I was to tell you that every person in this room is like all the other forms of the same thing. I looked around while we was worshiping. You all got heads. Now they don't all have hair. And some of us are in varying stages of in-between variants. Some of us used to have a lot of hair. We don't have as much and we're heading toward none. But we all got heads. So, 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 so there is a standard. Would you, would you just look around this room and agree with me? I mean, I know some of our melanin is different. Uh, some of us are taller. Some of us are shorter. But, but, but there is a standard. We, we, all, we are all humans. 
We're all people. But there are some people under the sound of my voice that's a new variant. What I mean is they're the same, but we're different. I'm going to take my text this morning, my first text out of 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and I'm going to show you that I'm the same as you are, but I'm not even the same as I used to be. I'm a variant of myself. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, beginning with verse 1, says, For we know that when this earthly tent we live in is taken down, that is when we die and leave this earthly body, we will have a house in heaven. Somebody shout hallelujah right there. Uh huh. We're going to have a house in heaven. An eternal body. Now, that's not just some house. I know some of y'all big, y'all been waiting to, like George Jefferson, move on up. But what he's really talking about here is a body, an eternal body made for us by God himself and not by human hands. We grow weary in our present bodies. My God, the older I get, does that, sermon, does that text resonate in my soul? We grow weary in our present bodies. Anybody above the age 30 feel that? Yeah. We, we grow weary in our present bodies and we long to put on our heavenly bodies like new clothing. For we will put on heavenly bodies, we will not be spirits without bodies. While we live in these earthly bodies, we groan and sigh. But it is not that we want to die and get rid of these bodies that clothe us. Rather, we want to put on our new bodies so that these dying bodies will be swallowed up by life. God himself has prepared us for this. And as a guarantee, he has given us his Holy Spirit. So we are always confident. Even though we know that as long as we live in these bodies, we are not home with the Lord. I'm going to say that again. We are not home. As long as we're in these bodies, we are not at home. I'm going to have to say it again because I only got two claps in a Pentecostal church. As long as we're in these bodies, we're not at home. Some of y'all don't want to clap because you're married to this place. You're addicted to this place. You're waiting on something to happen. You're waiting on yourself to get married or the kids to get married or that first grandbaby. I don't want to leave. I'm attached to this place. But God says, this is not your home. He says, you're not home with the Lord. Verse 7, for we live by believing and not by seeing. Yes, we are fully confident. We would rather be away from these earthly bodies for then we will be at home with the Lord. For whether we are here in this body or away from this body, our goal is to please Him. For we must all stand before Christ to be judged. We will each receive whatever we deserve for the good or the evil we have done in this earthly body. Now here's where I'm going to really get excited. You ready for this? Because we understand our fearful responsibility to the Lord. Stop right there. Did you catch that? We have a fearful responsibility to the Lord. And here's what it is. We work hard to persuade. No, no, no. Y'all didn't get it. You got a job. And you ought to be afraid not to accomplish it. A fearful responsibility to the Lord to persuade 
others. God knows we are sincere, and I hope you know this too. Are we commending ourselves to you again? No, we're giving you a reason not to be, we're giving you a reason to be proud of us so you can answer those who brag about having a, spec, a spectacular ministry rather than having a sincere heart. And here's the part I love, verse 13. If it seems we are crazy, it is to bring glory to God. And if we are in our right minds, it is for your benefit. Either way, Christ's love controls us. Since we believe that Christ died for who? Who? Oh, not just Church of God folks. Not just people that vote like us. See, I, see there, see, I hurt your feelings. If we believe He died for all, we have a fearful responsibility to tell people that don't vote like us, look like us, act like us, talk like us, dress like us, behave like us, go to the same colleges, go to the same schools, work in the same locations, who don't even appreciate us. We have a fearful responsibility to tell all that He died for all. Mm-hmm. It's getting quiet. It, it's going to get worse. Because Christ's love controls us. Because Christ's love controls us. Because Christ's love controls us. Uh-huh. Because the reason we have a hard time saying amen to this is because you're not controlled by Christ's love. You're controlled by your appetite. You're controlled by your persuasions, by your opinions, by the way that you feel. That's why you get more upset over the way a pastor dresses than you do people going to hell. Because you're more controlled by your preference than you are Christ's love. I told you it's going to get worse. I, I told you to buckle in. I told you to pray for yourself. Did I not? I warned you. Because Christ's love controls us. It's the only way you're ever going to persuade others is if you are controlled by Christ's love. We also believe that we all that he died that we have died to our old life. That's what I'm going to talk to you about this morning. He died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. This is the new variant. This is the crazy new variant. Everybody you know is either living for themselves or they was living for themselves. Because the ones that are still living for themselves are the standard. Those of us that no longer live for us but live for Him are the variant. We still look the same, but we ain't the same. We still dress the same. I still got the same size shoes. I still got the same baby blues. I, I'm still six feet tall, but I'm not the same as I used to be because I am now controlled by another spirit. I'm now controlled by new desires. I'm a variant. I'm the same, but I am different. Verse 16 says this. So we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. My God. We've stopped judging other people by our standards. At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view. How differently we know Him now. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new variant. 
A new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. If there's any crazy variance in the house, give God some praise. You stopped living for yourself, and now you live for something else. You're the same, but you are different. My God in heaven. If you have ever gotten saved, you are a variant. You're the same, but you're different. You're unlike anything that has ever been created. Do you know that? The King James Version quotes it like this. If any man be in Christ, he is a new... Some of y'all married the creature. And Paul said, hey, what are you doing saying yep? Woman of God. That's my wife over there saying Yep. She has never amen me in 25 years of ministry. And right there on that point about marrying a creature. Yep, I heard her above everybody. He says, if any man be in Christ, you are a new creature. That, that word creature means something that did not exist. You are a variant, okay? You're not the same as anybody else. You're not even the same you that you used to be. But how does that transformation happen though? How do we take on the new life? That's what I'm going to be teaching you for the next several weeks up to Easter. How does that new life, because if you've been saved longer than one day, you know you don't just snap your finger and become a new creature. Uh, You know your spirit came alive quick. But you've got some flesh wounds. You've got something hindering where you want to be where God desires for you to be, and where you're living. So there are two areas that you transform. Are you ready for this? One is by position. The other is by practice. Positionally, when you said yes to Jesus, you're a new creature. You are saved. And you'll never be more saved than you are right then. So by position... You're righteous. By position, you're holy. By position, you have gained an inheritance. But by practice, you got some flesh wounds. By by practice, you are hindered. Are you with me? Okay, so today we're going to talk about our position. Okay? The next several weeks we'll talk about working this out through practice. But today I want to talk to you about the position because that's the scripture. Let, first, first let's look at who God is. Hebrews chapter 6 verses 17 and 18. Who's God? God determined to show us more abundantly to the heirs of promise that the immutability of his counsel confirmed by an oath. That by two immutable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we might have strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold of the hope set before us. Twice in those two scriptures, there's the word immutably. Immutably. What that means is, God has no mutations. God cannot change. That's what that means. Mutation is a basic English word that means to change. And when it speaks of God, the Bible says, He is immutable. He cannot change. 
Right, this, listen, everything I'm telling you today is going to be important next week, and it'll be important the next week, because in order for me to get you unhindered, you have to gain a very healthy respect for two things. One is who he is. Secondly, is that his word means what it says. If you don't have a healthy respect for those two things, you know what your hindrance is. And you know why you're not achieving what it is that you want to achieve in your prayer life. Okay? You know why you're not seeing your miracles. Because the only authority we have is hidden in Christ based on who He told us He was. And if you aren't totally sold out to both of those things, you're wishing but you ain't praying. You're throwing stuff up to heaven hoping that it works. But you're not really tapping into the power and coming boldly before the throne of grace. I'm teaching you a whole lot right now. Mutation means to change. The Bible says God cannot. Say cannot. That's important. It means that even if he wanted to, he cannot change. Why is that important? Because for him to change would indicate he could get better. He can't get better because he's perfect. So when you're perfect, you never have to change. Okay. However, you. Are not perfect. And you are supposed to change. Numbers 23 says that God is not a man. He don't lie like you folk. He is perfection. But we are broken. He never changes, but He demands we do. Mm. To help us understand this, I'm going to lean on the medical terms again, okay? Apparently, viruses don't stay the same, okay? They're always changing, and these changes come in three forms. Mutations, variants, and strains, okay? Mutations is when a virus doubles itself, replicates. But the copy has a little bit of difference. In other words, it's not a carbon copy. It's not an exact copy. When it, mutate, or when it mutates, means it, it copies itself, but it changes a little bit. Then a variant comes along. When you accumulate enough mutations, you get a variant. When there's been enough changes made, you're now not called the same as you used to be. You have a new name because you have a new identity. Then there's a strain. That's when you can prove a variant truly has new biological capabilities. Okay, so you start out as a virus, you mutate, become a variant, but when a variant completely changes its composition, when a variant has went through so many changes that it's not acting like it used to act and actually has different DNA structure, it's called a strain. That's what Paul meant when he said this old life is gone and new life has begun. One day, one glorious day, oh, I want to see him look upon his face there to sing forever of his saving grace. On the streets of glory, let me lift my voice. Free at last, home at last, ever to Oh, I want to see him. Yes, why? Because one day, one day, that's not today. That's not right now. One day, 
I, you, if you're saved, if you're a believer, are going to become a new strain. That's what Paul meant in 2 Corinthians. He said your whole body is going to change. Your old body is going to be left behind and God himself is going to build you a brand new body. Because the body you have now is not fit for, where did he call it? Home. He said you're not home yet. He said, while you're here, you're absent from the Lord, and you're not home. And the body you're carrying around, as fine as it is. I know you did your sit-ups this morning. As fine as it is, it is not fit for home. And in order for you to get home, you've got to leave the old body. You've got to leave what you're comfortable in and God's going to build you a whole new residency because where you're going to is better than where you're at and you're going to get a new body. And, and, and that's when you become a strain. That's when you're completely, your DNA has changed. But until then, you're supposed to be mutating. You're supposed to be becoming a variant why? Because the Bible says in your original form, you lived for yourself. But when you accepted Jesus, the old life was supposed to die. In other words, you're supposed to change. And once you undergo enough changes, you stop looking like the old you. You have a new life. And that doesn't just mean you changed where you hang out on Sunday morning. When you have truly mutated, when you are a variant of who you used to be, you should be able to take me back to your old life and say, this is what I used to do that I don't do anymore. These are the places I used to go that I don't go anymore. See, if you have really undergone a change and you are a new creature, then that means that you have done a 180 degree turn. And where you used to go, you don't go no more. That's You ought to be able to take me back to the place and say, this is who I used to be. I don't look like that person anymore because I have mutated. I'm a variant. I still look the same, but I ain't the same. I'm the same, but I'm different. Yeah, and if you can't do that either, you come out of the womb speaking in tongues, or you ain't changed enough yet. I told you it's going to be tough in here this morning. I apologize in advance. So, why is this all necessary? Well, let's look, at the, let's look at the stages again. Mutation, variant, and strain. A strain is when you can prove that you have changed biology. Now, I know that that is a hot-button topic in the world we live in today. But can I tell you, only God can change biology. God and God alone. And one day, He's going to change mine. I don't know what I'm going to be. I, I kind of hope that when I get there, He hands me an iPad and just get, lets me select. I'd like to get some 12-inch biceps, please, Lord. Some washboard abs. Because <laughs> I have all that. They just hid under layers of protection. And I mean, I, I, I hope when you get there, he's got some things to select from. You know what I mean? Like a head full of hair. And if I get to select hair, I'm taking Samson's. I want y'all to know if y'all run into me. 2,000 years from now, and when you're down at the fishing pond off the streets of gold, and you see a long-haired preacher. I either got John the Baptist or Samson's, because that's what I'm asking for. And so, so, so eventually, when you go through enough changes, your DNA changes. One day, that's going to happen. But 
But that's not what's going to happen here and now. Here and now, this is what Paul said in verse 5. For we know that when this earthly tent we live in is taken down, that is when we die and leave this earthly body, we will have a house in heaven, an eternal body made for us by God himself and not by human hands. See, the whole Bible, the whole Bible is not Dr. Phil's guide to self-help. It is not to stroke your ego and give you better self-esteem. The entirety of Scripture is preparing you for eternity. Yes, it's not to help you feel good about your situation. No, no, no. The entirety of Scripture is pointing to a place that you've never seen before and telling you it is a far better country than where you are right now. Matter of fact, listen to what Paul says in verse 6. So we are always confident even though we know that as long as we live in these bodies we are not at Where? Home. We're not at home. Paul also told us in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 50. What I am saying, dear brothers and sisters, is that our physical bodies cannot inherit the kingdom of God. You can't get there in these bodies. These dying bodies cannot inherit what will last forever. But let me reveal to you a wonderful secret. We will not all die, but we will all be transformed. For it will happen in a moment, in the blink of an eye, when that last trumpet is blown. For when the trumpet sounds, those who have died will be raised to live forever. And we who are living will also be transformed. For our dying bodies must be transformed into the bodies that will never die. Our mortal bodies must be transformed. You're going to become a new strain. You're you're not going to have the same body anymore. Your DNA structure is going to change. It's totally different. Because the body you have now is equipped for the here and now. But it's not sufficient for home. So you'll get a different body to live there. And just like the strain, your whole biology will change. But then, between now and then, there's some changes that need to be taking place. Because if you never let the old life die, You can't receive a new life. It's getting hot in here. And it's about to get worse. If you keep toting around the old, you can't receive the new. Did you hear what Paul just said? In order to get a new body, we have to abandon the old one. In order for you to get a new life, you have to abandon the old one. In other words, God says when the trumpet sounds, there's going to be a great divide. I'm going to say it again. There's going to be a great divide. Those of us that are alive and remain shall be caught up to meet him in the air. The graves are going to open and give up the bodies. A division is about to take place, okay? Your body, that is this old meat suit, is going to get left behind because you're going to inherit a better, more perfect body that can handle the destination that you're heading to. But before that divide happens, there needs to be a division now. Uh, A division of who you have been from who God wants you to be. Mm -hmm. And and this is where we're living unhindered this year. 
This is where the hindrances are. You've been waiting all these weeks for me to tell you where the hindrances are. Here it is. It's your old life overruling the new one. You said yes to Jesus and you inherited a new life. But you still got a death grip on the old. So you're trying to walk with Jesus and drag a corpse behind you. This is your hindrance. You've been waiting all, you've been waiting over a month for me to reveal it. I just gave it to you. You're trying to walk with Jesus, but drag the dead carcass of your old life around because you're afraid to let go of the old in case the new don't work out. But the Bible says that in order for us to get a new life, the old one has to die. Uh-huh. So if you want this year to be the year where you finally live unhindered, maybe you, need, maybe you don't. Maybe I'm in the wrong church. Maybe somebody online. Go ahead and put in the chat if you're online that you want to live unhindered. Go ahead and type it, unhindered, because nobody in this room obviously wants it. If, you, if you're ready to live a life that's unhindered, Look at a neighbor and say, it's time to change. It's, it's time to change. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I mean change. I, I, I'm talking about change. I, 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 let, let me explain something to you. This generation has just about wrecked the gospel. Not, not that we have the power to do so, but the, the witness of the gospel. Because this generation wants to make the gospel all about unity and harmony. Like God doesn't have a standard. And and that He just takes whatever we feel like bringing Him. But the Bible, the Bible talks a lot about division. As a matter of fact, it talks about dividing worthless things from valuable things. Two Very prominent things the Bible talks about is dividing sheep, valuable, from goats, worthless. Dividing wheat, valuable, from chaff, worthless. In other words, God himself, I know, know, listen, listen, listen. Only I would be crazy enough to say this from a pulpit on Sunday morning. Some of y'all need to pray for a spirit of division. Well, pastor, I thought a spirit of division is bad. It is when you institute it. But when God institutes a spirit of division, He's trying to divide worthless stuff from your value. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's trying to divide the old you from the new you that He's still trying to create. Because, listen, listen, only I'd be crazy enough to come up with something like this. God creates from division. Uh, he creates by division. You didn't know that, did you? Look what the Bible says, Genesis 1-3. God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw the light, that it was good, and God divided the light from the darkness. Verse 6, God said, let there be firmament in the midst of the waters. Let it divide the waters from the waters. Verse 14. God said, let the lights be the firmament of the heavens to divide the day from the night. Do you see what I see? God works by division. So God is busy in your life right now. 
while I'm preaching this word and you're distracted because your neighbor's jittery or some, some kid is, is loud, by the way, I don't ever get upset with jittery kids or loud kids because, it, that, 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 listen, a, a happy church is a church full of crying babies and, and dirty diapers, okay? Just, just so you know. They don't phase me a bit. I'm just going to keep on preaching. Don't you let it phase you either and just tune on in. Because let me tell you, what, what, what the enemy will use to distract you, a little crying baby, he's distracting you from the life-giving word that God is sending out over your head right now. Because while I'm preaching, here's what's happening. God is dividing your old life from the new life. He sees the frame that you have. And he's trying to build a whole new life on the structure of your old life by killing off who you used to be and making you a brand new variant. He's trying to make you new. He's trying to build. And the thing is, he hasn't restarted. One day, he's going to hit reset and give you a brand new, and we call it a glorified body. You ain't a strain yet. You don't get that here. You see a long-haired preacher, looks like Arnold Schwarzenegger. You'll say, Bishop? That's me. I put my order in ahead of time. I'm expecting good things. Y'all do y'all. You do you. I'll just be happy if, I can, if, the, if heaven's got streets of gold and the gates is hung on leather satchels. I used to hear people say that all the time. Leather hinges. Hey, he, he's so bougie. Listen, listen, heaven's lit, y'all. They got streets of gold, gates of pearls, walls of jasper. And he tells me I get a glorified body. He did not tell me I could not put in special orders. He might be like a Sears catalog up there. I don't know. I'm going to speak things that are not as though they already are. And I'm going <laughs> to... Y'all go ahead. Uh, y'all go ahead and have y'all's canes and y'all's old rickety knees. Not me. I'm going to be running down streets of gold with long flowing hair. My God is good to me. So, so, so God, God is working on you right now through division. He's trying to divide the old you from the new you. And there has to be a division of things like your appetite. And I'm not talking about that, uh, that pint of Tom and, uh, Ben and Jerry's that you sneak at midnight. I'm talking about he wants to divide what you used to hunger and thirst for from your hunger and thirst for righteousness. He, he wants to divide how you used to think from now giving you a mind of Christ. He, he, wants to, he wants to divide your old desires. Can I just be real and raw? I know there's some little kids in here, so I'll be, I'll keep, but can I be real and raw? He wants to, he wants to cut loose, cut you loose from the things that you used to do in the dark and hoped nobody would see and nobody would find out about. You used to do things that used to embarrass you, and we're going to be dealing with all this in the next several weeks. I mean, I'm really going to illustrate some stuff up here. I got some props that's been built for me, and we're going to, we're going to get into all of this. this 
This is laying the groundwork for that. But he wants to take your desires. Do you know those things that you used to do that you didn't even like to do but you couldn't cut loose from it? And all the things, all the times you swore you had the victory and you, you had prayed about it and fasted against it and you kept saying, I won't do that again. I won't go back to that website no more. I won't call them anymore. I won't have that morning walk of shame. And you kept doing it and you hated yourself. For, y'all, not, y'all not real in this church. Huh? You, you said you wouldn't do it no more but you kept doing it and you hated yourself for doing it but you couldn't get loose from it. Do you know how that desire made you jump in the wrong bed? How that desire made you go back to the bar? How that desire made you put that needle in your arm? How that desire made you steal from your employer? How that desire made you go back to them websites? He wants to make you that hungry for Him. He wants to take that same desire that used to drive you into the darkness and have you run into His light. He wants to fill you with His desires. He wants to give you a new life that is just as hungry and just as intense to the point where you say, I don't even want to go to church, but I can't quit. I'm a Jesus junkie. So, so, so that's these flesh wounds are in our way and hindering our blessings because we haven't yet grown into this crazy new variant. This could be some of the most intense teaching that you've ever been exposed to. Because there's not a lot of preachers willing to say what I'm going to say over the next several weeks. But I have to. I'm going to say it again. I have to. Because I feel so strongly that God is wanting to take some of you deeper than you are right now capable of going. Because there are things hindering your progress. And He is willing to challenge you if you're willing to accept Look at your neighbor again and say, did you hear what I said? It's time to change. Uh Uh-huh, uh-huh. So I ask again, how does this transformation take place? Well, the answer is, there has to be a division of the old life that was useless to a new life of purpose. God loves you the way you are. But he loves you too much to leave you that way. 2 Corinthians 3 and 18 says this. So all of us who have had the, that veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord, who is the Spirit, makes us more and more like him as we are changed into his glorious image. We are supposed to be changing more and more into his image because the flesh you have is not fit for where you're going I'm going to say it again the flesh you have can't survive home but your flesh is not going away without a fight that's what we're going to be dealing with because flesh wounds are self-inflicted They are things that you have gotten addicted to by feeding and overfeeding and overstimulating the flesh. So you got saved and your spirit loves your father. Your flesh loves your old life. And you have been trying to serve God. And there's been a lot of things hindering you 
from becoming who you're supposed to be. Is this okay? Verse, uh, Luke chapter 12, beginning with verse 2. The time is coming when everything that was covered up will be revealed. And all that is secret will be known to all. Whatever you have said in the dark will be heard in the light. And what you have whispered behind closed doors will be shouted from the... Woo! You know what? If he was saying this today, he would say, All your DMs will be on a billboard. All your text messages will be displayed for all to see. That's what he would say if this was uh, modern day. Whatever you have said in the dark will be heard in the light. What you have whispered behind closed doors will be shouted from the rooftops. Dear friends... Don't be afraid of those who want to kill your body. They cannot do you any more. They cannot do any more to you after that. But let me tell you whom to fear. Fear God, who has the power to kill you and then throw you into hell. Yes, He is the one to fear. I remember, here I'm going to date myself. I remember a time when folks was afraid to go to hell. That when we used to get up and preach about missing heaven and splitting hell wide open, people would get up out of their seat and come down to the altar and surrender their lives to the Lord because they did not want to go to hell. But the enemy got tired of losing souls. So he brought a strong delusion to this generation that has spread the lie that because God is love, everybody's going to go to heaven. Surely they are because no matter how you live or what you do down here, we're all flawed and a loving God surely understands because He created us. But Luke 12 is the kind of scripture we don't like about God because the world today wants to baptize sin in God's love and have it come out clean without changing anything. And they erroneously believe that God's love supersedes everything. They think that God can love you into heaven. And while God is love, and He does love unconditionally, even His love cannot violate His Word. So so when people think they can live however they want to because God loves them and wants them to be happy, that violates His Word. And, and, And what is love anyway without restraint? Every parent in this room understands that you will say no to the impulses your child has. Because as their parent, you know that what makes them happy right now in the moment is a detriment to their future. So you tell them no right now because no now is a blessing later. And you know that you have to help them understand why you put guardrails up to keep them from going over a cliff. Well, God is a good father. And God loves you enough to tell you no. Uh, Can you imagine, listen, listen, can you imagine the depravity, the perverseness, the wickedness that you would get into if God didn't say no? Left to your own devices and having no restraint from the Holy Spirit or God's Word, can you imagine the nastiness that you would sink to? 
I know you look good in here this morning. You got your hair done. You got your best slacks on. But think about what this world would look like. What you would look like if God never said no. If the word word of God never confronted your idea. If the Holy Ghost never rebuked you. Can you imagine what you'd be capable of without God loving you enough to put barriers between you and sin and tell you no? Some of you wouldn't be here today if God hadn't told you no. You'd have died with a needle in your arm. Some of you would have died from HIV already. Y'all not going to help me in this place, but you know I'm preaching the truth. Some of you would have died in a gunshot in in an alley somewhere because you'd have been messing with somebody else's wife that you didn't have no business messing with. And if God had never confronted you, if the Holy Spirit had never convicted you, if the Word had never confronted you, you would have followed your own. Uh, We'll talk about this. You you ain't believing me, but later on in this sermon series, we're going to talk about how we are born bent. Yeah, we're, we're born bent in a particular direction. And spoiler alert, it ain't toward your Heavenly Father. And, and so with no restraints set up by love, you would follow your impulses. And your impulses are never toward your Father. So, 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 so this is tough, but this is right. In the old church we say it's tight, but it's right. In Luke 12, Jesus goes on talking about the difference between this life and the next life. I'm not going to read it all to you, but he talks about how money should never be your focus because you ain't going to need it where you're going. He he, he says, "Don't don't worry about being taken care of because God takes care of the birds. Surely he'll take care of you. And, and, and it, then he says, when you get to your heavenly reward, it ain't going to look the same for all of us because some of us are going to receive rewards and others will receive loss. But verse 8, he says this, I tell you the truth. Everyone who acknowledges me publicly here on earth, the Son of Man will also acknowledge in the presence of God's angels. But anyone who denies me here on earth will be denied. Jump down to verse 51. Do you think that I have come to bring peace to this earth? No. I have come to, there's that word again, divide. I'm going to divide people against each other. From now on, families will be split apart. Three in favor of me and two against. Or two in favor and three against. Father will be divided against son. Son against father. Mother against daughter. Daughter against mother. We got that now. And mother-in-law against daughter-in-law, daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. And this, this is what Paul was talking about in our opening text when he said that we're supposed to be crazy. Because look, look at, here, here's what he said in verse 11, 12, or 11 to 13. Because we understand our fearful responsibility to the Lord. We work hard to persuade others. God knows we are sincere. Verse 13 says, if it seems we are crazy. See, see, crazy is what it looks like. That's what Jesus was saying. He said there's going to be two of a family that love me and three who reject me. Or there'll be three who love me and two that reject me. Only crazy folk. What Paul said was, we have a fearful responsibility to tell even the ones that don't want to hear it. We got to be a little bit crazy. To look at how everybody else is going one direction. And we say, that ain't the way I'm going. That's, I'm not going that way. We're going to go over here. Ask for me and my house. We will. 
serve the Lord. See, see you got to be just a little bit crazy to, to turn off some of the stuff that is being projected into your household. you got to be a little bit crazy to go into political arenas and all this jibber-jabber and talky-talk that is always trying to bring you into their mess and say, none of that phases me because I'm not of this world. See, this is not my home. So it really don't matter who is at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue because my king is on the throne and you can't vote him in and you can't vote him out. He is eternal and he's always going to be. So I'm going to serve him no matter what else goes on. You got to be a little bit. Look at your neighbor and say, you, you might be crazy. Yeah. So you might be crazy. You might be crazy, but I got to get it out. You ain't, you ain't sold out yet. I got, I got to pull the crazy out of you. That, if it seems we are crazy, it's to bring glory to God. And we have a fearful responsibility to the Lord to persuade them. And, and I'm, about to, I'm about to go through a whole bunch of scriptures and a whole bunch of points, and we're going to do it real fast. Okay, I know, I know I've preached already 58 minutes. But we have a fearful responsibility to tell them. And you're going to have to be crazy to do it. Because Jesus said in Luke 12, they ain't going to want to hear it. But we have a fearful responsibility. In other words, I'm more afraid of him than I am them. So, so he has told me I have to even if they don't want to see it, hear it. Receive it. I, I don't have no choice because I'm afraid of him. I, I'm afraid that when he told me to do it, I, I just got to do it. I, I see Jada over here. I'm just going to pick on her because she's here. If you ever friends with her on Facebook or follow her on TikTok, everything she puts on, she, she is like so talented. Like she, she got a professional athlete for a brother. He plays in the NFL, and she hardly ever puts anything of her brother on there. Her brother's over there lifting weights and straining and groaning and knocking grown men over to play professional sports on Sunday. And she don't hardly ever put none of her brother on there because she's always putting Jesus on her Facebook. She's she more proud of Jesus than she is her brother who's a professional athlete. I mean, it's Jesus all the time. I'm always just doing heart, 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 heart. Because she always, and, and see, you got to be a little bit crazy. In the environment that she's in right now, and that age demographic, you got to be a little bit crazy to be that sold out to Jesus. Because she wants to tell anybody looking at her page, this is who I am and this is what I'm about. And here's, here's the point, and then I'm going to go through a whole bunch of why we got to do this. If there is not a division of your life now, there will be a division of your life then if you can't separate your old life here and now one day you're going to stand in front of the Lord and there will be a division because he says the book is open and anyone who has a name that's not found written in that book anybody who went the way the world went. Oh, it got quiet in here, didn't it? We have a fearful responsibility to tell them that a division is coming. Because if we don't tell them, we're responsible. 
And what are we supposed to tell them anyway? I'm glad you asked. Anybody remember Mr. Rogers? I grew up in, in, in the southern part of this state. I did not know he was local. I didn't know he was, a, you know, everybody up here knows Mr. Rogers because he's from right here in Pittsburgh. But I watched Mr. Rogers as a little boy, and I didn't know that he was like a local legend. But I remember him coming in the door, and he'd take his coat off and put that cardigan on. He'd take them shoes off, and he'd put them tennis shoes on. The whole time be singing that song. And at the end, at the end of that song, Let's make the most of this beautiful day. Since we're together, we might as well say, would you be mine? Could you be mine? Won't you be my neighbor? Huh? You ain't got to beat people over the head with a 15-pound date Bible. You really just need to ask them, won't you be my neighbor? And I don't mean move on to the street that I live on. I mean in eternity. Don't you want to go where I'm going? Don't you want to head where I'm heading? Because I don't want to be divided from you in eternity. I want you to be my neighbor. God wants everybody, everybody to make it to heaven. But there's some things you should know about being my neighbor. I don't know what your plans are for eternity. People are always asking the craziest thing like, what's your plans for New Year's Eve? New Year's Eve? It's February. Like, I don't know what time I'm going to bed tonight. I don't even know what I'm eating for lunch when church is out. I ain't made that far ahead, but I do know one thing. There's one thing for sure. All these other things are fluid. If, if COVID didn't teach us anything, it should be that plans are adaptable. Everything should be written in pencil because it may or may not happen. Somebody say amen. But there's one thing that I'm going to stand flat-footed and tell you and the devil. I'm checking out of this life, and I'm checking into hotel hallelujah. That's the only thing I know for certain. So let me tell you about my neighborhood. Number one, the owner does things his way. He's not going to listen to woke culture. Matthew 10 and 6 says, Your kingdom come, your will be done. On earth as it is in heaven. God sets the rules. He built the place. He pays the bills. He keeps the lights on. He'll run heaven however he wants to. It makes absolutely no difference whether this culture likes it or not. God does things by his standards. Number two, to get into my neighborhood, you need to be born there. And this is not an immigration policy. John 3 and 3 says, Jesus told him, Most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. So you were born once here. You need to be reborn into God's kingdom if you want to be my neighbor. Uh, number three, you have to stop looking for everything else in order to find. Matthew 6 and 33 says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his Righteousness. You got to quit looking for all the other stuff. If you want to live in my kingdom where I'm heading when I die, you've got to stop looking for everything else. Number four, it is a gated community. John 10 and 9 says, I am the door. Other translation says, I am the gate. And if anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go out and find pasture. Uh, the next one is, there is a strict no trespassing policy. 
Uh huh. The Bible says in John 10 and 1, most assuredly I say to you, he who does not enter by the sheepfold by the door but climbs up some other way, the same as a thief and a robber. In other words, you're not breaking into my neighborhood. Can I tell you that once the gates are closed, you're not getting in. You better make preparation to get in right here and right now. Today is the day of salvation because once the gates are closed, you can't climb over the wall. Stop fitting to. Stop getting ready for it. And do it. There's no breaking in. Well, God doesn't sound very loving. He's not going to let me into heaven. I'm a good person. Hold that question. Because there's also a path that leads there. There's a path that leads there, but there's also a path that leads somewhere else. Matthew 7 and 13 and 14 says, Enter in by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad the way that leads to destruction. And there's a lot of folks on that one. But because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life, and few there be that finds it. So there's two different paths. You say God's not loving because He's not going to let everybody into heaven. I'm telling you that He's the most loving being that's ever existed because He let anybody into heaven. Because I didn't deserve it. And you didn't deserve it. And the fact that He even made a path that I could get there hallelujah because I earned hell the fact that he even gives me the path to get there makes him the most loving creature ever because I got news for you I don't want you knocking on my door I don't want you coming to my house when somebody knocks on my house it sounds like we are fugitives wanted by the FBI like if I'm downstairs and somebody knocks on the door or rings the doorbell, I hear, and then she'll call me from the upstairs. Somebody's knocking. Well, open the door. You got a camera. Look at the camera. See who it is. Tell them wait a minute. Tell them go away. But why are you calling me? Like you would think we were we were wanted by the FBI the way we run and hide under the bed. I don't even want you coming visiting to me unannounced. And God said. I'm going to make a path for you to come see me. And you didn't earn it and you don't deserve it, but I love you so much that I'm going to make a way for you to get to where I am. How about this, though? And the world hates this. The neighborhood is selective. Matthew 7, 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. But he who does what? The what? Well, how come every time a celebrity dies, somebody gets up at their eulogy and says they got their wings? Listen, people talk about bars. People talk about gambling joints. There ain't never been more lying than what goes on at the funeral home. Because I've never heard anybody stand up at a funeral home and say, yeah, they probably went to hell. <laughs> I've been to a lot of funerals, folks. I ain't never, I've never heard one family member get up and say, he's the worst father, I haven't seen him in 25 years, he chose another woman, he ran out on my mama, none of that, no, we get up at the funeral, we sugarcoat everything. Well, he was a loving father and a loving son, and he, she, was a, she was a wonderful mother. She ain't seen her kids in 16 years. But everybody's going to be polite. No, everybody's going to lie. But our neighborhood is selective. And the only ones that make it in are those who do the will 
of the Father. Pastor, where's the love? Well, I'm glad you asked. In Ephesians chapter 4, Paul says Christ gave some gifts to the church. Here's the gifts. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. And do you know why he gave them to us? So we could grow up. Change. Ephesians 4 and 15 says, speaking the truth in love. Sometimes the, the love comes through the truth. And the truth ain't always sweet to the lips. We are going to speak the truth in love that we might grow up. Mature. Change. Become a new variant. Because in 2023, can I tell you, it takes a real, called, bona fide pastor with a backbone to stand in pulpits and say some of the stuff that I'm about to say. I'm not patting myself on the back. I'm just telling you that maybe it's dementia, maybe it's old age, maybe I'm just cantankerous in my old age. I just don't care anymore. But the world, somebody has to pump the brakes on this reckless, out-of-control generation that thinks that we get to control God and tell Him what we're going to do. Because Luke chapter 6 and verse 46 says, Why do you call me Lord, but don't do the things I say? And I'm going to go one step further and tell you that the ministry of Jesus and of the church is to call sinners to repentance. If we are silent on sin, then the sinner continues unwarned. And the church has been too silent for too long. And you have a fearful responsibility to tell them in love what the Word of God says. That the Word of God is the standard. It alone is the judge. Not our feelings. Not our opinions. John 6, chapter 6, verse 60. Therefore many of his disciples, when they heard this, said, This is a hard saying. Who can understand it? And verse 66 says, From that time many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. So there's going to be a whole lot of people mad at you and mad at me. What did Jesus say in Luke 12? There's going to be two people in the family that love me and three of them that reject me. Or there's going to be three that love me and two that reject me. And they will reject you too, by the way. But you have a fearful responsibility to tell them why. Because of this right here. There are going to be people that's going to be mad that they don't get to choose the way they get into the neighborhood. They're going to say, who are you to judge me? I'm not judging you, friend. I'm just trying to tell you that if you don't do His commands, you won't make it to heaven because that's... Oh, well, I have, I have the whole Elevation playlist on my phone. Big whoop-de-doo! You've also got sin in your heart and a flesh wall standing between you and your Father and you don't do His commandments. So... Some of these folks won't be able to get through the gates not because God doesn't love them. Not because they went to the wrong church. But because they heard a word and they said, that's too hard. And they walked with him no more. You want an example? You want a 2023 example? Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, Don't you realize that those who do wrong will not inherit the kingdom of God? Don't fool yourselves. Those who indulge in sexual sin or who worship idols or who commit adultery or who are prostitutes or practice homosexuality or are thieves or greedy people. Stop right there because I said a word and all your ears perked up. That's right. The homosexual. There's a whole list here. 
And I know the church likes to beat up on just a few select sins because we're guilty of the other one. But yeah, it does. It does say. It says in there that those who practice homosexuality are outside the kingdom. But it also says thieves. It also says greedy people. Oh, greedy folks. Drunks. Or people who are abusive. Or cheat people. None of these will inherit the kingdom of God. And then he says this. Some of you were like this. Some of you had flesh wounds. Some of you used to be drunks and some of you used to have sexual perversion. Some of you used to be greedy and some of you used to be thieves. Those were the flesh wounds. This is what I'm talking about. But watch this. But you were cleansed. You were made holy. You were made right with God by calling on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. You became a new variant. You used to be like them. But now you have become a new creature. You're a new variant. You're not who you used to be. But you have to tell those that are. You have a, you have a requirement. So once we move into the neighborhood, through calling on Jesus' name, we're no longer sinners. Stop calling yourself a sinner saved by grace. You can't be both those things. Because sinning, while possible, is not our lifestyle. It's not our habitual manner of conduct. See, we need to check out how powerful and complete Bible salvation actually is. That's why the neighborhood has a code of conduct. When somebody uses the excuse, well, we're all sinners. Why does the church always pick on certain sins? We're not all sinners in the sense that we all continue. We're all sinners by accident but not by practice. So, 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 so when Paul says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, did you, did you hear that past tense word? For all have sinned. It doesn't say for all are sinning. It means we all make mistakes. We are a church where nobody's perfect, but you're going to miss living in the neighborhood. You're going to miss the kingdom if you continue to practice disobedience to God's word. It's not enough just to say a prayer and go back to your old life. The old life has to die. It's, all have sinned means it's a has-been state of affairs. There's not one scripture that supports believers being saved by grace, but staying sinners. To the contrary, Romans chapter 6 and verse 1 says, What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning that grace may increase? God forbid. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? That's why the neighborhood requires a permanent address change. Does this mean believers don't sin? Absolutely not. But it means that if we do, we quickly repent and change the course. If you keep reading Romans 6, you'll find out that the Bible says that you are dead to sin. Shut up. It says you're dead to sin. It doesn't say sin is dead to you. 
big difference. When you got saved, God made you dead to sin. You have to kill sin to make it dead to you. That's the flesh wounds. Over the next several weeks, I know some of y'all are like, Pastor, you just did four weeks worth of preaching. I understand that. For one, one hour, 14 minutes, and 15, right there, 15 minutes. I understand that. But I'm done. Over the next several weeks, up to Easter, we're going to be dealing with these flesh wounds. The things that have been so attracted to the darkness. So attached to our old life. It's been hindering you. And they're not all sin, by the way. Okay? So so get that out of your head. Some of y'all offended at me already. I need to preach the sermon. It's not all sin. Because I got things that I fight daily that's attached to my old life that has no sin value. Like a lack of self-work. Because of the way I was raised and the things that were spoken over me, I still to this day have a hard time accepting the love of my father because I never felt love when I was a child. When I was in my formative years, I, I never attached my emotions to love. In order for me to show love, I always felt like it had to be works. Because that's how I got out of trouble or that's how I kept my dad from beating me was I did the jobs the way I was supposed to do them, and then I wouldn't get beaten. So I, in my mind, I attached love to works. And I have a hard time believing my father loves me just like I am. I feel like I have to earn his love. But then the truth says I don't have to do that. The, the word says he loves me no matter what. I, I have a hard time with that. So, so, so see, do you see what I'm saying? That's a flesh wound. That stops me. If I don't recognize it, deal with it, and remove it, it'll stop me. It'll hinder me from being able to pray effectively and have the faith level to perform miracles. Because I don't feel worthy. So those are the kind of things we're going to deal with over the next several weeks. We're going, we're going, yeah, there's going to be some sin talk too because our flesh does like to sin. There's, I know y'all looking all holy in here this morning, but there's part of you. That still hungers for the leeks and onions of Egypt. He, he set me free. He set me free. But some of me wants to go back. Pastor, I don't believe I can live a sinless life. Why did he tell that woman who was caught in the act of adultery to go and sin no more? Now, now does that mean she's going to live a perfect life? Absolutely not. What he was telling her was this thing. This sin, this adultery that you just got, go and do that no more. You're still going to make some mistakes, but it was that fast. Who knows how long this woman had been messing around with that man? Who knows how long that woman was messing around with other men? I don't know. But he told her one command, quit it and don't do it anymore. And if he told her that, what he was saying was this, there's a division that's got to happen right now. A division between your lust and this newness of life that I'm calling you to. So under the sound of my voice right now, I need to make the same declaration. There needs to be a division. 
Some of you need to divide. I'm just going to go ahead and call some stuff out. Some of you need to divide from the bottle. Because every time you get anxious or every time you get upset or every time you make a justification and you make some kind of excuse for why it's okay for you to go out and throw down and, and, and then you wake up with a hangover and a mess to deal with, you need to make a division and you need to do it today. Some of you need to go into your phone right now while you still got the guts under the anointing of the Holy Ghost and delete some phone numbers. Because you know good and well why they're texting, why they're calling, and they're up to no good. They ain't inviting you to church. Some of you need to make a division this morning from toxicity. And it wouldn't hurt for you to just to go ahead and sign off of social media because you can't handle it, because it makes your blood boil, because you have to state your opinion, because you've got to make sure that everybody is set right and everybody knows that this is, well, that's really not a, a balloon. It's this kind of a balloon. You don't know. And it's, it's toxic to you. You would do much better if you would just get in your Bible and pray and turn that mess off. You need to make a division today. I'm, I'm not telling you anything I'm not doing because I'm doing this stuff myself because I want to live unhindered. Maybe I'm the only person in here, but I don't want anything between me and the miracles that God says I can have. So I'm willing to do hard stuff. And if it means i got to divide from things, so be it. Some of you, some of you need to make a division from toxic relationships that you've had for way too long. Some of you need to divide from doubt because you've prayed and prayed and prayed and nothing's happened. You've prayed and prayed and the marriage got worse. You've prayed and prayed and the kids are still backslidden. You've prayed and prayed and now you've just gotten to the point where you're not even praying anymore because you're not even sure that prayer works. You need to make a division between you and doubt. God creates from division. Go and sin no more. Go and doubt no more. Go and fear no more. You need to make a division this morning. So I'm going to ask everybody in this room to stand to their feet. you're here under the sound of my voice and you're not sure about your salvation if you're not positive that your last breath here will be your first breath in glory I want to invite you to come to this altar and we're, we're just going to talk to you about it because I'm telling you right now I, I, there's no doubt in my mind if I step off a curb today and get hit by a bus I'm going home I'm going home I ain't getting that body yet but I'll be up there putting my order in i got to wait for the rapture for all that to take place, but that's all right. I'll be in the presence of the Father. If you're not sure, maybe you've hung around church your whole life. M maybe you thought you are okay, but through the preaching today, something, I, I want to invite you to come up. We're not going to make a big demonstrative display. I'm just going to have some of our staff and some of our prayer team come, and they're going to talk to you because I promise you this, you can be just as sure of heaven as if you were already standing on streets of gold before you leave here today. And I want you to have that kind of confidence. So if you're here this morning, I know I've preached a long time, but I'm done. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to preach to you anymore. I'm going to let somebody else talk to you. If you're here this morning and you say, I, I want to make sure that I'm saved, I want to invite you to come up. And just, just come up to the front, and we're going to have some people come. And they're going to witness to you. 
And, and if you don't come uh, for that, then I'm going to assume that, that either you're satisfied with yourself or you just don't care. And either way, I'm going to move on. So if you're here, three, two, one, and you want to be sure of your salvation, I want you to come up because you're important. And, and it's important that, that you know. And, and I want uh, some of our pastoral team, some of our, our, our prayer team members to come up. And I, and I want you to talk specifically. Don't, don't ask them about health or marriage or any of that. I, I want you to ask them specifically about their, their salvation and, 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 and about how uh, to know and be secure in, in your salvation faith. That's the only thing you're going to talk to them about. And then there's some people under the sound of my voice that need to make some division this morning. And you're important. And if you're here and you need to divide from something, I want you to come. There's an anointing in this room. I I need to divide from my old life, whatever that is. I need a division to take place in this place. I get some of my some of the, the prayer team to also come forward and help these these people pray. I, I need a division to take place. I, I've came to church. I've prayed the prayers. I've listened to the sermons. I got elevation on my playlist. But but I got some stuff I need to get rid of. I got some stuff that that I need to leave behind.